We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Thursday, May 25th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have a pretty good show for you today. Um, And I want to remind you before we do today's good show about yesterday's good show, where we did a little team building 101, taking a look around the AFC North, analyzing how teams are prioritizing specific positions and if teams are building their roster in a construction that is uh, higher prioritization for different positions uh, than, than other teams in the division. Basically, how are teams going about building? The AFC North is kind of a beacon of success. You take Cleveland out of that, unfortunately. They've been a pretty solid beacon of success since 2010. So what we're trying to do is if we think the Browns are in a really good position right now, how do they compare to these teams relatively recently where we've seen the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bengals go to the playoffs? The Browns have gone to the playoffs too, so you want to be fair. So what, what, kind of what we're looking at here is how are they building? How are they prioritizing? Are they doing things differently? We started with offense yesterday. That's well worth your time. I'll have defense out for you on the Friday podcast, but today's podcast is going to be meant on hitting what's going on at OTAs. A lot of stuff going on there, so we want to hit on that. So check out yesterday's if you want to hear about the offense. Stop in tomorrow if you want to hear about the defense. But like I said, for today, we have John Colosimo here for what should be a really good episode. And we start this thing, John, with talk about I, I know we had a name for this a little bit more last year. We call it like the entertainment corner, like the TV dads and TV. I don't I can't remember. Man, but I always like starting with some. Yeah, the, it was something like that. So uh, something built around talking about what shows we're watching and, and things coming out. So I want to hit with you. You and I are linked up on a show called Silo, which is an Apple TV show. Give an elevator pitch of this show to people that aren't watching it, because I think it's a ton of fun. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's on Apple Plus. And the basis of the show is basically post-apocalyptic, um, a small, you know, couple tens of thousands of humans are living in a largely underground, um, deep kind of cavern type uh, structure, you know, silo is the name of it. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a picture. It's mostly vertical um, and you have different classes, obviously, that kind of develop out of that. But the basic deal is that it's supposed to be poisonous if you leave um, the silo and they give you immediate reasons to think that um, that is a lie being fed to people and that it's actually okay to be outside. And so uh, therein starts the mystery and um, they're developing it pretty well, I think. Well, I'm only two episodes in. I know they've they put out the fifth one yet. I think the fifth one comes out on Friday, right? Friday, yeah. Yeah, so they have done four so far. I'm two in. It starts to really pick up uh, at the end of the second one. I'm, I'm looking forward to the third one when time permits here, but should be pretty good. I uh, will urge you if you have not done so, and I, I text you about this uh, yesterday, uh, They the, the author... Uh, Hugh Howie of uh, the the Silo series is on Ryan Rosillo's podcast, and he talks a lot about when he wrote the books, why he wrote the books, and the the ardent uh, ardent process of coming up with like how this was going to get made. Like it gets bought by 
uh, uh, entertainment studio. And then they're like, how, like you think that that means the movie's being made, but then the movie gets shuffled around to like all these different places. So it's actually fun hearing him talk about how it came to be a TV show because he thought it was going to be a movie. It's just worth it. I see it's, it's fascinating to follow like the inspiration behind writing these types of like universes the way these guys do. And, it's worth it. So I don't like to plug other pods too often, but go check out Priscilla's pod if you care I, about Silo. It's good. Plus some good good actors in this. I mean, Rashida Jones and, you know, um, uh, what's her name? I'm, I'm, I'm now I, forgetting her name. Rebecca, she's in Dune. If I can if I can find her name. Uh, let's see if I can look this up on the fly here. Rebecca Ferguson. So she's pretty damn good in it. And uh, David, David Oyelowo. I think Oyelowo, I think is, I, I, it's a guy's face you'd recognize. And then Tim Robbins is also in it. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm enjoying it. So, yeah, I think it's really set off pretty well. And I think you're, you know, you're going to start to go down the roller coaster um, for number three, which is like gripping the whole way through. So I think it's, love uh, that. it's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, off of that, we gave you a TV show recommendation again. I'm going to play a little game with you where we uh, talk about summer movies coming out. We're hitting the peak summer movie release and you're going to tell me if you're if you're in or out going to this one your answer can be in which means going to the theater out which means watching it at home when it's released or hell no which is you'll never watch it never consume it here we go starting may 26th two days away little mermaid live action little mermaid you in hell no hell no they should stop putting these things out live action just cut it out <laughs> cut it out uh i should backdate this a little bit fast x are you in on that uh, home no i'm not i'm not gonna go but i i will watch it they have they've pushed their limit here i i was into it for a while the whole superhero angle they were taking and now they've they, they've just taken it too far too far june 2nd spider-man cross the spidey verse this that was a movie that got pushed back like a year and all that the first one was phenomenal are you in on this one i'm all the way in and i'm bringing the boys the, i think uh, i'm taking my son too I think I'm taking mine. The first one is one of the, you know, we probably bought a handful of, you know, uh, movies, you know, either they weren't available to stream or whatever the case. It's one of the, the, the first one was one of the few that we've bought. My son has probably watched it 20 times. Um, we got out of his first movie, which was Mario. And he immediately like walked face first into um, a upcoming poster of into the spider-verse 2 so um as soon as that happened it was just like and they were so well behaved on the first time we went and so yes we're we're all the way in absolutely going for the record uh pg is the review on that one so that that's that's pretty good it's a pretty good review for taking kids they've balanced that line pretty well because we're going to talk about another one in a minute that's pg-13 that is it's a little too far into the realistic. I should say on June 2nd, you probably taken your son to the double feature boogeyman. You didn't see that one too right after. <laughs> no. I, don't know. I don't know if I told you this, but my, my wife is still traumatized because uh, her grandma fell asleep and oh, no. uh, she, at I think maybe age like seven or something like that, watched the original it. Oh boy. And now she, to this day will not watch horror movies as a genre. So yeah. Man, that's not good. That's a bad one to waltz in on when grandma's asleep. Seriously. Um, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. I, I, I think that I went through a phase of being out on Transformers. I find myself back in. I probably won't go to theater for this. I should go because my son loves it, but we're like, he's all in on robots. Transformers. I'm making up stories at bedtime around like, this fictional robot named moon slicer dude we're all in over here okay <laughs> the problem is that, that the movies are pg-13 and they're a little too real a little too much blood for a five-year-old so we're not doing any of those movies and he sees the the the, the trailer for these transformers movies got the it's like the gorilla transformer and all this stuff man and he wants to see it but i don't think we can so i'll probably watch that one at the house are you uh are you into transformers still or did you so I am not, I am not into Transformers. Now my, you know, my son, I think would absolutely be, um, he has, you know, probably a couple of Transformers. I think, um, my dad got him, but, um, just like we, I got the bright idea when he was around two or three to start watching some of the, you know, Marvel movies around him. And we got some reports out of daycare 
that <laughs> he was being a little rough and tumble with the other kids. And so we had to completely back off that. So I'm imagining that this fits right into that same category. Listen, when Optimus Prime calls you to duty, you don't, <laughs> you salute, you step in, you step in. It's time to act. Okay. <laughs> One of the great underrated leaders of the last decade of cinema. All right. Leave it at that. June 16th, The Flash, one of the few DC movies that I am very interested in. It is getting some strong reviews. And Michael Keaton returning as Batman is nostalgic porn at that point, you know. So I'll probably end up going to theater to see this, to be honest, John. Are you in on this one theater-wise? I might check it out. What's the rating on that? Uh, In terms of kids going, uh, that's a good question. Let me pull this up real quick. It is a PG-13, so it must get pretty violent with some of the action. I'm going to have to wait and see on that. I'm going to have to wait and see. Well, you're three kids deep now, so your ability to just sneak away to a movie is tight, to say the least. (laughs) Elemental. I don't know. See, this is where I'm on the other side of like, I'm usually all the way in on everything Pixar. They do so well with these things. But just like the movie Soul, I think they're going way too deep. I think they're going really deep with these to the point that they're going past kids ability to just enjoy them do you know what i mean does that sound stupid yeah even inside out i thought was a little on the deep end up is pretty far on the deep end um you know like so i don't know they they go in and out like obviously my kids loved uh turning red you know and so that was fine you know um and they finally just um got into toy story so they've been you know absolutely running through that whole thing a hundred times. So um, they, you know, Pixar just depends on which team is, is handling the movie, but yeah, they can get a little, um, little too far into the, into the weeds, into the adult circles. I agree. Yeah. Soul was good, but I'm like looking over at my son in moments of like, I'm tearing up and he's just stuffing his face and staring at popcorn. Like, I don't care, man. Um, June 30th, Indiana Jones. And I got to admit, man, not proud of it. I've not seen a single. I don't even know that I've seen a single second of an Indiana Jones movie. So I'm just baffled uh, by that. Baffled. I, <laughs> I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I'm just baffled by that. I don't know. I, they were never on when I was young. My parents, sister were not into it. So I, and my dad watches a ton of stupid movies all the time. Like I remember a couple weeks ago, this is just an example of like, Maybe your parents are like this with your kids. Maybe not. I, I come into my house. My parents are over. My sister's over. They've they gone to my nephew's uh, baseball game and they all came over to our house. And like Jurassic Park is on. And my son, who loves dinosaurs, is like looking at the TV with his mouth agape. And I'm like, <laughs> my mom's like, Jurassic Park, is this okay for kids? I want to be like, Mom, are you serious? Like, do you, do you think this kid watching a T Rex eat humans is okay? Like, <laughs> I love you, but what are we doing? Like, how can, like, I tried that one. Just... I tried that oh, one. And God. as soon as he grabs the guy, I remembered. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I remember vividly when I was a kid, my parents were watching it downstairs and you could hear the thumping of the T-Rex walking originally. I was scared of that movie, man. That movie <laughs> can scar some kids. My mom's like, is this okay? I'm like, what do you think? What's your gut tell you? Oh my God. Let's, 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 uh, I know you've been out of the game for a while here, but let's, let's reel it in. So yeah, I'm, I gotta, I don't know. Maybe I need to do an Indiana Jones, like weekend crash course or something. I don't know. You can't do, you can't, you can't do Indiana Jones with him. It's not ready. They melt Nazis eyeballs out. That I will say that's one YouTube scene that I have seen. (laughs) I'll I'll say that, that, that give me some, I've seen the melting of the faces and yeah. All that stuff. Um the rest of it you'd probably be fine with, but like that that's the that's the kicker. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One. I couldn't be more in. I might even go to opening night. I, I, I don't know how Mission Impossibles have gotten better, but they are aging so well. Maybe it's just because I love Tom Cruise. I'm not afraid to admit that like and man, did if you watch the Mission Impossible trailer, it is all Tom Cruise running scenes. And it's like, <laughs> this guy's like 60. What's going on right now? He's a, he's a freak of nature. I'm yeah. in. I couldn't be more in. And I don't even know why I love it. Like, they got like Ving Rains and the Arby's commercials are the only other thing he's got going on in life. You know, Benji. Like, I, I don't know how they've reeled me in. But, like, I went to the last one in theater with Henry Cavill was in the last one. And it's like, this, this was awesome. This is an awesome movie. 
So I'm in on this. Are you in the theater on this? Yeah, no, that's good. I'm going to have to, you know, make whatever arrangements I have to, but I'm going to that one. Gonna need a babysitter. The only other one I see here for the summer, because I don't see much in, uh, I don't see much in August as I'm kind of skimming through here. And that's pushing it to the edges of summer, unless you're into the Meg two, the trench. So, <laughs> uh, it's Oppenheimer, which is a, but the number one of my power rankings for like a year because I mean, Killian Murphy's my favorite actor, period. So, oh wow, um, okay, oh yeah, he's my. I don't. I just have loved everything, you know, everything he's been in, and it's grown on me over time. And Peaky Blinders turned into one of my more favorite things I've watched, and love that dude. Um. And I think he's going to be great. I'm fine. just pumped to see him in the role that I think he deserves for the talent that he has. So, and Nolan, you know, all that. So, I, I mean, I, I'm definitely a opening night of this one for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely in there. Uh, first of all, I love the history there. Um, there's, you know, obviously the one of the more infamous quotes of all time. I am become death destroyer of worlds. Um, but if you go deeper on that and know anything about the history you you find out the confliction that some of these guys had how they felt after you know after the bomb went off like you know different scientists had different um, reactions to it and I've seen some things lately where they're saying it was you know you know and I don't know that I believe it but you know 100% historically accurate I don't know that you can even achieve that because yeah, it's still that's... being told by humans. So, um, you know, but bottom line, uh, I'm very interested in it. It's a very interesting topic. He's a very interesting person. And yes, I'm all over it. I will say most of Nolan's stuff, as you know, uh, you know Christopher Nolan, the director, and uh, is time shifty stuff here. So I'm, I'm, more, I'm interested to see if he goes completely away from the, I mean, at the core of almost everything he's done has been time. Maybe the prestige isn't all centered on time, but like so many things that guy has done have been around. I'm sure he's still going to mess with the storytelling that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what's going to be interesting is how they tell this, how they tell this story. Like, do you remember, did you ever see Logan, the, yes. the more recent? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually not sure if it was Logan. It was before Logan. It was the one where he was... Um, uh, it was like Wolverine something in Japan, but like there's that there's the scene of them dropping the the bomb. Yes, on yes, yes. Nagasaki. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if they're gonna like how they're what's the big bang here for for his he's always got these scenes right where he recreates or does something that doesn't involve CGI. I just am I'm interested to see what they do with this because they go away from like Nolan has traditionally gone away from CGI like the interstellar cornfield scene and. I don't know where he planted the corn and like they, they go crazy on this stuff. Like without like the, the, the Joker trailer flipping scene was completely done. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just curious of how, how that, how that goes, like what well, they, what I, they do I'm, in this one. Right. I'm wondering like how they're going to do it. If they're going to put you over there, um, if they're going to dig into what, if you're into this period, um, there is, um, there there's an endless debate about the second bomb uh you know so i'm wondering you know like that to me like would be a whole you know a whole centerpiece of this because i think that's that's probably the most controversial part of this whole thing is the second bomb so um i'll be interested to see like whether he digs into that or even touches it um I, i think it'd be hard to do the oppenheimer story without the second bomb and 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 everything around it so yeah it's gonna be a fascinating movie the only other one bonus movie here barbie you in <laughs> i can't believe ryan gosling who i love dude top 10 guy for me took that i can't believe you took that movie what Jack are you doing unreal. what are you doing margot robbie i get it because she looks like this era's version of barbie but like ryan gosling man i hope the check was beautiful that's all i'm gonna say I hope the check was beautiful cannot uh, imagine that movie does any kind of well i don't i hope i didn't miss any movies i don't think i did uh, so we'll wrap up this section of uh of entertainment weekly i don't know what we're calling it man <laughs> what what we're what we're watching one day we'll figure out a good name for this yeah thing. we'll figure maybe we should like we'll solicit you know solicit some names for this 
I think I feel like we did, and then we came. Some people came up with some good ones, and it's been like a year, and I forget about it. So sorry about that. Somebody got something that was trademarked. We apologize. We're gonna take our first break of the episode. We're coming right back. We're gonna start talking about OTAs from the Cleveland Browns, which are hot and heavy in Berea this week. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With OTAs, John, comes the endless debate of does the team care enough about these sessions, right? And we're only like 71 days away from the opener. Doesn't that sound crazy short amount of time? That doesn't seem like forever. That doesn't seem right at all. I think it's going to feel like so much longer. I, I would agree. The summer months are long, but that's good because we want to enjoy those those times of year. Um, so not in attendance. Miles Garrett. Um, let me see here. David and Joku, not there. Nick Chubb, not there. And Joel Batonio, not there. I don't know if any of these guys are going to be showing up in the coming days, but those are your people not at OTAs. Your immediate reaction to that. Do you think with the new coordinator, they should be there rebuilding the offense, all of that, that Nick and David should be there? Or do you not care at all? I don't care. Uh, you know, I've been in the, I've already been in more debates about this than I normally am, you know, people, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, and so what I was trying to do is kind of try and pay attention around the league to see, you know, my reaction is, you know, to that point has been like, it's just not something that happens around the league, right? There's Mm -hmm. not. And so I wanted to pay attention a little bit more and I'm seeing the same things, you know, in, in other OTAs. And I just don't think, that this is truly important. You know, training camp is important. Uh, to me, like probably the most important thing are the inner squad weeks. Like those are like the Eagles week to me is going to be like, that's legit. That's legit off season stuff to me is, is when we do those inner, uh, inner squad practices with other teams, you know, um, when they're going to go off, they're going to do their own thing this year um, out of town. OTAs just isn't it, you know, like it's important for the rookies, you know, when they do the rookie camp, um, I, you know, you can only stretch coaching out so far. It's nice for everybody to get some one-on-one. Miles Garrett does not need to be in OTAs. I just, I'm sorry. Like I don't want him in OTAs, you know, I don't want him playing and pick up basketball games probably. <laughs> you know, on the other <laughs> yeah, side. Sure. Okay. But um, I don't need him in OTAs. Joel Petonio is a hall of famer. He does not need to be in OTAs. Um, you know, so I, I just think it's just something that, um, the, the league has just grown past, you know, these are not guys that need to show up and get in shape. These are not guys who generally speaking are not paying attention, uh, and those types of things. I just don't think OTAs, there's a reason, you know, that, um, that they're voluntary. And, uh, I don't, I don't find anybody out there that is getting hundred percent OTA attendance and winning championships, find them and let me know. Yeah, that's what I would say. If you can draw a parallel between OTA attendance and, and playoff performance or uh, arrival at the play, yeah, let us know. We could be wrong on that, but never seen a correlation. Would I like it if they were there? Yeah, that'd be great, but I'm not going to lose sweat over 
guys on offense who have been around Kevin, the lingo, the system. And I think Miles, hey man, you got D, you're fitting D gap here and you're rushing the quarterback. <laughs> He'll be okay. Seaball get He'll ball. Be okay. Yeah, exactly right. Um, all right. So next topic is guys. I just kind of want to inform everybody, people on the side. Um, you know, if you didn't read anything on OTAs, I think at least getting to understand who's out there and who's not. So people who are working on the side during this, Anthony Walker, not a surprise at all. Coming back from the quad, Sione Takitaki, not a surprise at all. Recovering from his ACL tear. Amari Cooper, another one that's not a surprise. Off-season core muscle surgery. Anthony Schwartz, not sure what's going on there. Don't think that guy can afford to miss a single moment no, of no. football to, to make this roster. Um, he hasn't helped himself with Cleveland fans in recent days, tweeting about uh, tweeting about players from the Cavs. Donovan Mitchell maybe going to Miami. It's just not helping his case. Jakeem Grant coming back from the Achilles. Understand that. Jacob Phillips coming back from the pictorial. Understand that. Dawson Deaton, ACL understand that one as well. And I think Isaiah Weston had some sort of knee injury. Uh, the the very uh, athletic UDFA they signed in last year's camp. I'm excited to see him back, what he looks like. And then Isaiah McGuire, I'm not sure what's going on with him either. Somebody might know that answer, but the rookie from Missouri, whose film room I just posted, if you guys would be interested, if you're an OBR subscriber and reading that. So uh, those are guys on the side. Not any big surprises there. A lot of guys coming back from some pretty serious, and it's almost a stark reminder of the injuries that we're seeing recover from. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and it's good for those guys to be in the building. I do prefer that. Um, I don't, um, I mean, it, you know, it depends. Uh, opinions have changed over the years, right? Um, it wasn't that long ago, uh, at least for you and I, where, you know, people were, um, getting staph infections and <laughs> things like that. You didn't want oh, them to God. be, you wanted to be as far yeah. away from the building as possible. Um, things have changed. Um, you know, the Browns have, uh, I think gotten pretty decent in terms of taking care of their players versus there's a couple of teams around the league right now. Um, you know, uh, who was it, uh, that now has the second New York, New York giants have been getting some absolutely awful press this off season from, legit players who are reporting mismanagement by the team. And, you know, it's been a long time since anybody accused the Browns of that, you know, so it's nice to have these guys in and, um, and rehabbing their injuries. Um, I, I actually kind of thought um, that uh, Amari Cooper was a little bit of a surprise for me. Like he could have been kind of doing his own thing, but it's nice to have these guys that need to recover team is plugged in, understands what they need. And uh, I do actually trust the Brown staff to do a pretty good job with them. Yeah. I, th- I wonder if there's a rule on, on some of these guys participating with a re like a surgery time frame. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I wonder about that. Um, next piece of note, Dequell Jackson, former Browns linebacker, who's kind of been on, if I recall, he was on the ultimate Cleveland sports show, ultimate show, as you recall, and was kind of saying that he didn't believe JOK was a good modern day linebacker. Uh, so I, I really, I did kinda, not see that. Kinda, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, you know, didn't think he was uh, right set fit for it. Was either he was going after JOK or he was going after a little bit with uh, Anthony Walker. Might have been somebody else on that show going after Anthony Walker. But I, I remember somebody kind of, I think DeQuell was on and he was talking about like concerned about the size of JOK playing linebacker and i was like okay man that's not uh it's not where we're at these days but to each their own so i don't know maybe uh it worked out they they did uh they did talk dequell was there and stefanski said i spent a little bit of time with dequell over the years got to spend more time with him at the combine i think the world of him the building thinks the world of him so he's visiting us this week maybe the browns don't have anyone watching that show um i don't know maybe nothing i i just recall that kind of coming out well, and he gave that opinion yeah, but it might not I, mean anything i don't mind him um giving some you know some headlines for some of these guys get angry about that's all fine um you know but i'll say this still i'm blue in the face uh, there aren't linebackers that were going to have successful seasons behind the defensive line the browns fielded last year um, mm-hmm. um i can even recall a time uh, I think it was only for a year, you know, but it was a time when there was a little bit of a um, a lag for Baltimore um, the year before they got Nato. And that was, if I remember correctly, Ray Lewis's worst year. 
Um, you know, so I'm not going to judge any of these linebackers on what we put in front of them. And, uh, you know, what I remember is DeQuell had much better defensive linemen in front of him than we had last year, and he was still dragging people seven, seven yards uh, deep for a tackle. So it's nice that he had 140 tackles. Um, lots of them went for first down, so he can run his mouth all he wants. He did play with much better defense tackles, and, and I talked earlier this week, I think I had Andrew on earlier this week, we talked about, or no, it was Jared, where PFF has uh, Martin Emerson as their breakout player. And I'm like, I kind of think that JOK is a better breakout candidate than Martin Emerson. I think Emerson's kind of a regression candidate. Not that he would be bad, just I think he he played really well in the rookie season. So That's a good point, and I agree with it. Yeah, like JOK getting better play in front of him. Like he smells to me like a guy who's ready in his third year to put it all together. If that makes sense. So I don't know, just a just a quick thought I had the other day. But anyway, um, otherwise, the one thing I want to get your opinion on before we take our last break is is the kickoff stuff, which is uh, it's in a one year uh, a one year sort of setup. They're testing this out, which is sort of the college mold of you get a, anything that you fair catch inside the 25 yard line is going to be moved out to the 25 yard line. So I mean, it's really just a measure to reduce the number of kickoff returns we see nothing more than that. Right. So Stefanski talked about it and I want to read the quote that he had to, to kind of give people perspective on um, he's kind of, I guess you'd say he's kind of a wait and see on the new kickoff where he said, I mean, go back to the three-point shot. He said, I don't know if anybody thought they'd be shooting this many. I don't know that this rule will have a huge impact. I think, again, it's something that all of us need to work through. It's something that Bubba and I have started to talk about, what it might mean for other teams, what it might mean for us. So we'll try to use the next weeks and over break before we get back together to solidify what we want to do, what everybody else wants to do. We don't know. And then it might uh, – and then – it might be you navigate throughout the season, you adjust your thought process throughout the season based on how it's going, but I don't know that anybody knows exactly how the rule or how that rule, I don't know that anybody knows the outcome of that rule just yet. So he also said um, not to make any decisions based off the rule change anytime soon, like changing special teams value, if that makes sense. So um, I don't know, man, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I kind of thought in the, morphing of football over time it's going to evolve into less and less kickoffs maybe it gets to that i don't know if you've seen the xfl style of kickoffs yet john no, so, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, where they they kind of start guys they essentially start guys really close together uh, and it's it's kicked i don't i don't know the exact thing someone could be annoyed with me for not knowing this but look it up when you get done or if you're listening to this pod look it up they start like the kickoff team and the return team the front lines these guys basically start five yards apart on the other side of the 50 yard line really close. And it's like a very condensed version of it. And it eliminates the full speed buildup of full speed ramming into each other. So it's actually a fascinating little look into it. Now I don't want to eliminate special teams, right? I don't think you should be eliminating it. Maybe if they're cutting down on kickoffs, like how far does this go? Do they stop at the punt returns because of the danger of punt returns? Like, I don't know where it all goes, man, but like it's, it's uh, I, I find myself being, like I said the other day on this show, and I'm not all too worried about them eliminating high speed collisions on kickoff returns. I'm, I'm okay with getting more of these teams. I want the Browns to just take the damn ball at the 25 because they screw themselves so often with this. <laughs> I'm hoping they change their theory here a little bit. Agreed. Agreed. Um, look, I, I don't want to eliminate special teams either, but the, the kickoff can just go. As far as I'm concerned, I, you know, the, it'll be interesting. I actually do want to go check out what you're talking about. That sounds like a very interesting way of doing it. If you're on the other side of the 50 and close, um, that is an interesting way that you can take to possibly keep it. But outside of that, I think your kickoffs are um, just ripe for concussions and injuries and micro concussions. Look, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, there was big scares about football as a whole because of these concussions and we're not really out of the woods on that. It's just kind of taken a little bit of a back seat um, as they've taken a couple of precautions. Um, this is just a thing that doesn't really provide a ton of value in my opinion. You know, like I, you can keep the punts um, in my opinion. Um, I think the rest of special teams actually as a whole, is pretty much fine. Like kickoffs are, they're probably your worst of um, 
you know, of the special teams in terms of those types of things and types of huge hits and types of, uh, you know, uh, cheap hits. Uh, and I know they've done a lot to get rid of it, but if, or to get rid of those things, but if they end up eliminating kickoffs, you know, I understand that there's some people that love like that first kickoff, like to kick off a game, right? You get over it. All right. It's just not something that's uh, altogether important. And just like you said, like you don't need to be letting guys get to 23 miles an hour and um, and smashing heads. So that's how I feel. It's not they're not even that many times they happen in a game. So like if you were to tell me, hey, we can keep the game going longer. You know, all, all you have to do is reduce some of these uh, things that we've done research on that, that lead to bigger injuries kickoffs well, yeah okay fine i don't really care about kickoffs that hey, much. hey if there was no if there was no kickoffs uh kellen winslow would have never broke his fibula um on one and we wouldn't have lost that just game last year um you know you browns come up browns come up uh thumbs up if you get rid of kickoffs <laughs> think about the alternate reality we would be in um all right well that's the kickoff discussion uh, that uh, I think you've all been craving after I brought it up the other day, but I just want to get more opinions on it. Cause I think my um, general just, I just don't really care about them. Nope. Isn't how everybody feels. So, but John feels generally the same as I do. So he's a smart guy. We're gonna take our last break. We've got a couple more little topics to hit on from OTAs today. We'll be right back. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So, John, Demetric Felton back with running backs. I don't know if the Browns are going to sign one, it seems like they're doing some things with bringing in workouts. I know they had like the, the Washington state kid, Max Bordian for a workout. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go sign one, but they are um, exploring the, the option here, which is Jerome Ford is your primary rotational backup rotational player. Probably wouldn't play as much as Kareem, but would spell Nick and do those things. And then maybe Felton goes back to running back and has some kind of impact. I think Felton is, best served to be a running back. I mean, I, I think the transition to wide receiver from running back is so hard. He played the majority of his snaps at UCLA at running back. I think that there's an interesting third, you know, running back option there where he can be a form of a, of a pass catching third down move around type of running back. I think that's best fit for him. I, I have to imagine they're at least exploring that, right? And he probably wants it too, as a means to stay on the roster another year. Well, you know, I think that it'll be an interesting study in Browns and whether they're shifting their values. Um, you know, we obviously see them shifting things in terms of the personnel at wide receiver. We expect shifts in the offense as, uh, as a whole. Um, but let's see what they do this rest of the time. You know, are they really going to go with uh, UDFA or Felton? Um to go behind forward and we're going to roll into the season like that. Are they going to do something like bonkers, like go grab Dalvin cook and put four void years on his thing and pay him like <laughs> 8 million. I don't know. Like uh, I, I will be interested to see that though. You know, after it, it's interesting in the sense that we kind of blew a whole bunch of money, um, keeping hunt, um, for those years when, you know, if it was really the philosophy, to do it this way. And like, and look, I think that AB has a evolving, he's a young guy. He should be taking in new information. They should be changing things that uh, they feel like aren't working in their best interests. Um, but I will be very interested to see, you know, I, I, you know, they we were supposedly in on the 
um, Swift talks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens if um, if a guy like Dalvin Cook goes on the market and all you've got is Ford there. And uh, I, don't, I don't. Let me put it this way: um, I don't think Felton's going to be on the roster on the fifty-three. Okay, I think it's fair. I, I certainly think he's one that's fighting for a job. If they bring in any sort of running back, um, that's probably ending his opportunity. I, I mean, unless he just absolutely blows away camp and all other opportunities. Hard to see. Some other quick quotes here uh, from uh, Stefanski on. First on Cedarius Smith, uh, glad he doesn't have to coach against him. Said he's a game wrecker. He's really difficult to defend in the run and the pass. He gives you an honest day's work. He's got heavy, heavy hands. He plays hard. He's made a few plays just in these drills, in these jog throughs where you just watch his movement skills. Uh, he's big and thick and can move, so he's done a really nice job. Pause. Um, he also said his impact on OTA so far as Darius has been awesome, just having him in the building. He's a ball of energy, great around our players, our young players. He practices hard. He does a great job out here when he's in the building, when he's in the weight room, in the meeting rooms, on the field. He brings some juice to what we're doing. You love to hear that stuff. I also, as I wrote up Isaiah McGuire, kind of the parallels between Isaiah McGuire, pick 126 out of a smaller, less powerful SEC school, Missouri. You look at uh, Zadarius as a small SEC, one, pick 122 in 2015 out of Kentucky. Uh, just some interesting parallels. There. I really hope Isaiah learns a ton from Zadarius and Zadarius had some good quotes too about this. The first time he's been in a four, three defense in the NFL, which is something he's really excited about. You know, he's been in three fours. He was a three, that hybrid three, four and, and, and Baltimore, then uh, green Bay was a three, four system while he was there. And then Minnesota last year was an odd front team too. So he's excited to get back into that four, three defense that he said he came up. I think he played in a four, three at Kentucky in his high school days. He's pretty much alluding to those were four, three defenses. Uh, Also quotes from uh, Stefanski on Deshaun Watts. And he would said, I would just tell you, he's done a really nice job throughout the entire off season of being diligent about understanding playbook, understanding his teammates every single day. Yesterday was a really good day. Today was a really good day. There are always going to be things that you want to get back and do a little bit differently, but there's no different than any other player at every position. He's on the right track and he's right where he needs to be. He said, um, uh, continuing that, he said, I think it's why we're here. That's why we have this offseason program. Uh, like he said, Marquise Goodwin and Sean really throwing together for the first time. As you add new players, adding Elijah to the mix, you want as a quarterback all these reps. You take the mental notes. You're thinking about how a player come out of this route. How does he come out of that route? Every single rep, whether it's individual period or it's a team period or it's even seven on seven, you're constantly adding that to the checklist, if you will. So if you get to understand your players better, that's important. So his trip to like Puerto Rico, Kevin really liked that stuff. Uh, and it's in a good spot. So the only other thing I want to hit on, and I'm going to share with everybody real quick, is this quote from Juan Thornhill where he talks about, you know, his experience with Browns fans and the negativity, which is largely driven from Twitter. He hasn't been in Browns Stadium, you know, the games and stuff. But he talked about Kansas City and uh, some of the feeling around the fans of Kansas City and the feeling at games and stuff like that. So I'm going to share that quote with you right now uh, in audio form. So uh, have a listen. Not really anything negative. It's just like in Kansas City, I, I, like, I use them because that's where I was before. But in Kansas City, like those fans there, they were, I would say, too cocky. Like they were just like, we're going to win this week. And the players can feel that. Like when you walk into the stadium, you know that you're going to win and everyone is behind you. You don't want to be walking around. With, with, with fans saying, I don't know if you're going to win or not. I hope we win this year. Like, we don't want to see that as, 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 a, as a team. We want them guys to be behind us, pushing us every day. and be like, we're going to win. And once you have your fans backing you up, it makes us want to play harder for you as fans. You know, it's funny, John, when you hear him say that stuff about Kansas City and obviously, like, the confidence the fans have, the arrogance, the belief that they were going to win every single game. It's why do you think, man, it's like I had to tweet about it. it's a quarterback thing. Like when you have a, a unbelievable quarterback, hell yeah, you're confident every game. You think you're going to win every game. That's like it's personified. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and now Pat Mahomes and Bills fans feel the same way. Bengals fans feel the same way. I think if you give Deshaun Watson gives a couple really good seasons here, the Browns win double digit games for two straight years. You're probably going to feel pretty confident about your quarterback. I think it's driven that feeling that your fans get is obviously experience driven from winning, 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 but you want to have the best gunslinger. And that's where you have the most belief that your team is going to get it done. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem any more deep than that. Like I, I want him to continue to bring that kind of attitude to the defense and, 
you know, to the Browns in general. So I'm not going to criticize him, you know, a ton on this. But at the same time, he's a baby, right? Like he he was born into that over in Kansas City. He doesn't know anything else. You know, he doesn't know anything about, you know, dealing with decades of of of, uh, of rough seasons. He doesn't know anything about dealing with the jersey, um, you know, like those kind of things. So uh, I want him to continue to, you know, bring that kind of swagger that he's bringing. Like, uh, and so I don't want to discourage that, you know, but he'll never hear me say this. But like I said, like, He's a baby. He was born and uh, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth going over to, um, you know, a Kansas City team that, you know, if you look over even before Pat Mahomes, it's a team that has, you know, has one big um, very consistently very few teams in this entire league had that kind of consistent winning that Kansas City has had over my entire lifetime. So um, that that's what I would say about that. It's just like keep on bringing your swag. I'm good with that. Um, say what you want, you know, but, you know, on the side, hey, buddy, you're just a little kid. You don't know anything. <laughs> so, yeah. he, he was, he adopted the darkness. We were born, <laughs> we were born in it, molded by it. Um, I'm with you. I, I, I think the culture doesn't change until you have people driven to change the culture. So all, all about it. But, hey, man, go inside Cleveland Brown Stadium and feel the feeling of what it feels like in that place when things just start to kind of go a little wrong. Oh, and it no. doesn't have I don't to be want him to feel that. <laughs> I'm telling you, John, I tell this story. If you're a diligent listener of this, of this podcast, people out there, you've heard me tell this story. This is years ago, 20, maybe 16. I'm not sure. 15 or 16 Browns are playing the Ravens. Corey Coleman's rookie year. So 16, right? Maybe 15. Oh, I can't God. remember. Yeah. They go up, they go up 20 to nothing on Baltimore. It's exciting. Corey Coleman caught like a little slip screen, scored a touchdown. Uh, and I'm off the top of my head trying to remember this exactly how it went. No, long story short, they get the PAT blocked after the third touchdown and it gets returned. It's 20 to two, 20 <laughs> to two. And you could feel the energy completely get sucked out of that stadium. When that ball got returned for two points off the blocked PAT. And I'm like, Oh my God. I had looked at my friend. I was there with him. Like, can you feel that? Like this place is just waiting for it to go. And guess what happened? It went wrong (laughs) and they lost that game. So you're paying guys like Deshaun. And in this case, the free agents they're bringing in, they are trying to find the right mixture of guys to solve that exact problem. Guys who can overcome the issues that have scarred the Cleveland Browns fan base and the vibes around the team for so long and overwrite those issues, bring in better results bring in better memories and get the vibe of that stadium and the entire fan base to be happy, confident, and full of belief. Right. Because to your point, we have, uh, he's a baby. He was born with a silver spoon and that's great for him. I mean, I'm happy that he knows what a winning culture looks like. Uh, here's how you get there. You get a quarterback who can do these miraculous things and you always have belief that you're going to win games. And if Deshaun is the old Deshaun, uh, maybe we get there. Maybe we get there. But that's, again, that's why you pay some of these guys. But you're looking, and that's what they're doing right now, John. I'm sure you would agree. It's what they're doing right now with the, the team building stuff they're trying to do, the Greenbrier trip and all these other little things, you know, linking up their West Coast trip on a on a back-to-back week so that they can get out there and and, and uh, spend time together. Like, it feels like they have, they have told themselves, talked about this with Andrew Spade several times, They've told themselves we have enough talent by a long shot. It's how do we get this group to come together and form a a unit, a team. They're seeking out answers on that pretty heavily. And like, this is something that that I think that, you know, Miles has to put his arm around Thornhill about and say, hey, man, this is real. It's tangible. You can almost touch it at times. (laughs) So we have to overwrite it. You're really looking to do the old men in black flash memory thing here where you're just erasing it, but it's hard because it's hard. And actually I have a, I pre-recorded Friday show with Andrew and we talk a little bit about this, not to give you guys too much of a heads up on what's coming on the podcast, but we talk about the Browns retaining their name, John. And oh, yeah. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. we talk about the, the, the rarity is to see a city, keep a sports team name, but 
if they were to move now in a similar fashion to what happened in the mid nineties, would we just be like, we, we want to reset. I wouldn't mind a new name. Whereas back then with the late eighties stretch of just awesome play in the nineties with Belichick, getting them back on track before they moved, people were very attached to the Browns But now of 25 years of scarring. We would just say, Hey, let's just fresh restart this thing. I don't so, think it matters. I think they'd still fight tooth and nail. Knowing this, I, I think you're right, but I don't think it's as deadlock. It's not as obvious as it used to be. I think there might be some people who are like, "We'll Tennessee Titans this thing. We'll just get a new name. We'll just." <laughs> I, I, to- I think it's more plausible than you think, based on like I just don't think people are as attached to it as they used to be, like that, that in that era. So that's the discussion. That I, I spent the what 15 years in Baltimore, um, or right outside of Baltimore. Baltimore Browns huh? and I used to uh I used to make fun of those guys because uh um, they didn't have the courage to keep the Colts name <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, and that's that's like the the thing we talk about again I hate that I'm doing this to, to tomorrow's episode but if you're listening this long you're a pretty diligent listener is like going through which teams have moved and and the team names and like the only you know the only ones that have taken or, or adopted a different name was the Oilers who go to Tennessee for a year and then take on the Titans name, right? They let go of the Oilers, but they didn't come back in Houston as the Oilers, right? So right, right. they didn't retain it. So like, it tells you about how much the Browns at that time meant to the people here to do all the things they did to keep that, just to keep the history and the name in a city. It's crazy because art was, you know, they were the Baltimore Browns, man. They were trying to take it. So anyway, that's a wrap for today, dude. That's, that's it. I, I hope I didn't ruin tomorrow's pod for some of you who listened 50 minutes into this episode, but this is a little piece of what we talk about, but it's an interesting discussion uh, at, at this point, uh, hypothetical. So either way, John, this is fun, dude. A lot of really good stuff here. I always appreciate it's been a minute, but I appreciate I think you and I have gone on like five streak of let's do a pot at this time. One of us is asleep. One of us is tired. One of us is on the road. You know, like, yeah, it just keeps happening. But this is what it's going to be for the next two or three years for us when we're fighting the the early we're in the we're in the dog I don't know what the time to phrase the best time to be a parent, but it's also the hardest physically. Yep. So. No, we're just going to have to like remain flexible and I'm going to sneak them in where I can. And uh, yeah, because I, I do miss it. So uh, I'm going to try and uh, make it happen, make myself available whenever I can. Well, anytime you're available, you're coming on this show, man. We appreciate you. So for John, for me, um, for the OBR film breakdown, we appreciate you guys being here. Check in tomorrow for the team building 101 analysis of the defense if you're interested in that sort of thing uh, it's a pretty more it's a little bit more flexible with defensive building and how maybe the Steelers are going about it a little differently than everybody else and kind of looking at how the Browns where the Browns are with some of their perceived lack of commitment to some positions now versus where they are these days like it's kind of shifted pretty quickly so fun little digging on that again thanks for being here thanks to John thanks to you guys have a great Thursday everybody go Browns your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.